Okay, this morning, I'm just going to read, and again, many times we read uh, from the old, the old Covenant, the Old Testament, so that we can glean the reality of the fullness of the mind of Christ, which is the fullness of the love of the Father that flows through him. And so, I want to bring this out. We know that, and we see it in Exodus, the book of Exodus, how that God's people, the Jews at that time, Israel, because they refused, because they refused the Lord, because they refused it. And really, in this sense, they didn't consider the word of God deserving of the concentration and obedience and submission of their will constantly. And because they did, they took it for granted. And in that sense, we know that in Galatians 6, verse 7, God will not be mocked. God is not going to be mocked. And he's just not going to be. So, again, in their disobedience, in their disobedience, when God would give the word, and the word obviously is the fullness of Christ, we know that in John 1, 1, and John 1 and verse 14. The Jews said in Exodus 19 and verse 8, and Exodus 24 and verse 3, they said, tell us what to do, and we'll do it. Now, it says there in those portions that Moses took, and notice what it says, he took the words of the people. They were not the words of Christ. They, did, they were the words of themselves about the word, and Moses returned them to the Lord. And that's what they said. They said, tell us what to do, and we'll do it. God had to allow them, like he has to allow many of those that are his Christians, to be led away captive. And that's what happened. They were led away captive by the Egyptians, and they spent 400 years in bondage, in captivity. And that bondage and captivity that they were involved in had to do with their wills that weren't submitted to God. They didn't consider the word of God to be pure and holy, something that did not deserve, that something that didn't merit their full concentration. We, sad to say, we have gotten so far from that. But God will teach us. So they were led in that first captivity in Exodus, in Exodus, in that first captivity for 400 years. There again, he had to bring his people back again into the second captivity. The second captivity was called the Babylonian captivity, and that was for 70 years. Seven, we know, is the measure of completion, and God has to deal with us. He allows us at times when we refuse the word, when we refuse it, when we can take it for granted, when we're led away captive, then he has to allow the backslidings to correct us. In Jeremiah 2 and verse 19, he has to allow in Numbers 32, 23, for, our, for the sin to find us out where we are. When his grace, 
his truth, the teaching, the word, doesn't do what he has sent it to do. Oh, this morning, oh, this morning, how precious is his word. How precious is the opportunity that we have to receive it. How precious is it? And I would ask this, if it's precious for us, would it not be precious for all? Would it just be for men? Or would it be for the women too? Because when God made man, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, he made man in his image. And in man there was woman that he took out of her, that God took out of Adam. He took, out, he took Isha, Eve, out of Adam. See, so every single thing he did was for both. I don't know why we don't think that this word, even this morning, would not be enough even for those that can absolutely receive it. They can receive it. Make no, make no mistake about it. I tell you through the word of God, and through the inspiration of the Word of God, oh, yes, they can. Yes, they can. So God had to allow Israel to go into bondage. And the bondage there, the bondage there was what, their, what the enemy was doing through their unsubmitted wills. That equals the flesh. So they were led away captive. They were led away in, in, in Ezra. Remember now, Ezra, he refers a lot to the prophecies, the teachings of Jeremiah, because Jeremiah was Ezra's pastor. He was, that was his pastor, teacher. That was one that he taught, Jeremiah 3, verse 15. I will give you pastors according to my heart, to my thinking, to my word, which will teach you knowledge and understanding. Well, they were brought away captive in Ezra chapter 1, verse 11. They were brought up from Babylon. And we know Babylon, if you study that word in the Hebrew, and even in the Septuagint that brings it over into the Greek, speaks of absolute confusion. Confusion. To be confused. To not have the preciseness of the word of God being taught. I don't know why some why people think they need to be weaned from that. To be weaned from proper teaching and preaching. A lot of times that's the thought because those because even those there even those that uh, are being taught they want to do it themselves. They want to do it themselves. They don't want to receive it from others. You see, the flesh that's in us is so deceitful and desperately wicked. It's not who we are in Christ. And God does not teach us those that are in Christ. He doesn't, he doesn't treat us outside of Christ. And that's why there's all kinds of loving discipline. He had to discipline the nation of Israel again because they went their own way. They refused the prophets. They, they, they refused the prophets. They wanted to do it themselves. They want to do it all on their own. They did. 
And so God, it says, brought them from Babylon, from that place of confusion, back to a proper place. And at that time, the proper place was Jerusalem. He has to bring us back constantly, constantly, because we so are like sheep, we go astray. And that's why you never have to wonder why these certain afflictions that we have in Psalm 119, 67. Before I, went, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I got involved in all these other things. And if I was involved in them, did not I take those with me? To be involved in those things, truly, was it the purity of the word and the holiness of his presence? And, and was that that was, that that was brought in? Well, he had to bring them back to a proper place. We see in Ezra 2 and verse 1. Now, these are the children of the province that went up. You see, God is always leading us up in Christ into our position to see us, even when he deals with us. In Song of Solomon 4 and verse 7, he says to us, You are all fair, my love. There's no spot in you. So in 4.8 of Song of Solomon, look from the top. He had to bring them up, out of the captivity. The submission of the will to other than Christ, to then to the purity of the word. Why are we here on this earth? I mean, Jesus, when he was on this earth, he said in John 17 and verse 14, the most intimate relationship between him and his father brought out like nowhere else in all the scriptures. He said in John 17 and verse 14, I am not of this world and neither are you in 17 and verse 16. Oh, If we were not of the world in our experience, how many would come to hear the word? How many come? How many come? Maybe I don't want to disturb those that are sleeping in their beds because I care for them. Well, if we do, we'll bring them to hear the word, possibly in a way by the grace of Almighty God through whatever vessel he chooses, for through whatever vessel he chooses, to bring them to that place. Because just maybe I can only bring them so far. But if I need to come to hear, would not they? Well, they, were, they came up out of the captivity. Listen to what it says. Of that which had been carried away, you see, they were carried away. You know the things that the enemy uses to carry us away? He, we get carried away. Things take occupation in our mind that are not Christ. He doesn't have who he is. He has first place. He desires to have that in every single place because every place that he's not is the place that's susceptible to confusion, to deception, and to accusation, open to the enemy. In Revelation 12, 9 and 10, they were carried away. That's what Paul, through these types that he's teaching us, that's what he was teaching. And it was the Holy Spirit through the vessel that was Paul. Did you notice 
they came to hear the Apostle Paul because God had given him a measure of depth of the truth. And who was it for? Who was it for? Well, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it says this, that he gave, and in verse 11, he gave apostles and prophets of which there no more. The foundation has been complete in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. And then he gave some evangelists, those that give the gospel of salvation. They're not necessarily teaching, although they can, God will give them opportunity. But here it is, and some pastors and teachers for the maturing. At what age are, what age are they, you know, what age are they going to be mature? You mean to tell me young people can't hear this and understand what we're saying this morning? I mean, it's just for a few. No, it's not. No. Oh, absolutely not. No, it's not. Not in the least degree. Because God created man in his image, man and woman in his image. And it's extremely important. And you can't tell me because a person's a teenager. I think of a certain man in a certain area. Someone told me he got a hold of a booklet and he couldn't even put it down. Geez, how old was that guy? Please, don't tell me. Get your family involved in the Word of God, the preciseness of it. It's never too late. And it's not too early either. Well, Ephesians 4, for the maturing of the saints, for the maturing of the saints, it says, for the work of the ministry, each has a place. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Is that just for a few? By the way, the Sunday school is the home, by the way. That's where you teach the children. If you can tell me, in the church age right now, if you can tell me, and and if you can find a Sunday school, in those epistles that that the risen Christ gave the Apostle Paul for how the church should operate, if you find a Sunday school, different. If you can find it there, tell me where it is. No, you teach your children in the home. That's where you teach them. And then you bring them with you to hear the preciseness of the Word of God. That's what we are to do by His grace. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. They're too young to do that? Till we all come. Who? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. That's all the teachings of who Christ is and what he's accomplished. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a complete mature man, unto the measure of the fullness and stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? That we no longer be henceforth children tossed to and fro. Look what it says, carried about. Who carried? Who had to allow the enemy to carry Israel back into captivity captivity again? Whoa, the word was too much. The word is too deep. Oh, I can only receive from you because what I receive from this other one is too deep. So I need you to take it and water it down and feed me. 
Okay, fine with me. Not fine. Not scriptural. In that sense, when they can come, by the way. And there is that that works in 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 4. There is that, yes. <sighs> so they were carried away that we no longer be little children tossed to and fro and carried about. Go over here, do this thing. Go over there, do that thing. Have the time to do all of that. What about the word? Mm -mm. Mm, I just don't see it. I, I do not see it. Carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men and cunning craftiness where they lie in wait to deceive. You see, they were carried about. They were carried about. In Ezra 2, verse 1, and Nebuchadnezzar obviously is there as the type of Satan, the enemy. Of course, he was the king of Babylon. Who is the true king of all confusion? In 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion. You know why sometimes? Yeah, because we say that their capacity is not enough to receive this, so we allow them to stay in a confused state, and we're okay with that. Time for our children, got to let them go. Get up out of the high chair and start feeding. Come and being fed. Once or twice a week? That's enough to be prepared for eternity? To have the opportunity for these precise things to be theirs? To have an exchange with Christ for all eternity and an intimacy that is so incredible? In Revelations 2 and verse 17, they had been carried away unto confusion, Babylon, and came again. He had to bring them back again to a proper place of worshiping Christ. Not men, not places, not things. Some think that I can use this. Well, I can still do this thing and still worship Christ. Yes, I know. Yes, I know. Follow it through here. They were truly the children, it says, that truly the children, in 120, uh, 2.21 of, of Ezra, they were truly the children, children of Bethlehem, the children of peace, because Christ is their peace. God is their peace, Ephesians 2 and verse 14, for us in Christ, in a way that they, they, they did not yet know. Now, in Ezra, we're going to watch. They came back. Now, they came back here, if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, there were two waves of them coming back from that captivity. Ezra was the first one, and then it was Nehemiah. But I want to show you something. God has to allow even those that he loves and his to be taken captive by the world and by confusion just so they realize and finally can taste in Psalm 38, 34 and verse 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You've been tasting the wrong things. You've been tasting the wrong things. Well, you see it and follow it through with all the sacrifices and things that were happening in Ezra. And you will see it. 
you will see what they did. When they came back, they wanted to build the tabernacle. They were giving the tabernacle. That took sacrifice. It did. It took money. That's what it did. It took money. Giving over. Oh, that's a, that's a thing that has a person's heart. I know it in my own life and in my own understanding. I completely know it that way. I do. Because the fact of the matter is that, that, that money becomes an attachment. Think of the money that we spend. Think of it. Think of what we spend money and the reasons why we do it. Let's think about it. For, for all of us, and again, I want to say this very convicting, obviously, to all of us, and that includes me. But they had to give. You'll see that in the seventh chapter of Ezra. They had to give and bring it into the treasury. They did. They did. There's nothing to be ashamed about and not over-teaching it, but teaching that people should give in a local assembly. It's not a, as a matter of fact, it's scriptural. So let's just knock off anything that comes against it because it's foolishness. It's foolishness, okay? That, that doesn't mean, and I don't mean to do it like the system, but there's a place where people can do that in their believer priestly privacy unto God. And boy, oh boy, if they had to give 10% with, with teaching that doesn't even come close to what we have, oh, how much? Oh, God loves. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7, oh, how God loves. He so loves and he loves, he loves a cheerful giver. You know what that means? Thankful. And you know how I can, you know how I know I'm worshiping properly because it's always thanks. The offering of praise in Hebrews 13, verse 15. You can always tell when I'm right with God because it's going to be thankfulness in Ephesians 5, 20 and 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. They did that. All through here. And notice what it says in, in Ezra 8. In verse, in verse 22, it says, The hand of our God is upon them for good that seek him. Seek you first the kingdom of God. That's Christ ruling and reigning over us. Then all these other things are going to be added unto us. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this thing. Let's do that thing. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's do this. Let's do that. Never could understand it. In my own life, that's where it starts. Verse 23, but 22, the hand of our God is upon them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all that forsake him. Now, there's no wrath for us in Christ. None whatsoever. He loves us deeply. We understand that. So if it's not God's wrath that comes upon us. And, and by the way, do we understand love and chastisement? Can that be very intense, strong, intense discipline and chastisement and still be the love of God without a question about it? 
and that sometimes that's what it takes. Are we okay with members of our local assembly and members of our own natural family that are Christians? Are we okay with them to be the way that they are continuously? Or do they need the purity and intimacy and intricacy of the Word of God to be taught to them? And we all do. Verse 23, So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated. Again, this is teaching prayer and teaching dependence. Watch what it did. They all gathered unto him. They gathered unto him. Because that was the one that God chose, Ezra. To bring them back from their, to bring them, he, Christ, God, brought them back from their captivity. It's a picture of us in Christ. But then he had to bring them to a proper place to be taught. And he, and he raised up Ezra to do that. And boy, they listened. Watch this. This is what we've got away from. And when I say we, I'm speaking of my own self and my own grace. This is grace and growth. In 2 Peter 3.18. This is where we are. This is Nehemiah, the 8th chapter. Now this is the second wave. And remember, you remember in, in Nehemiah, the 4th chapter, the minute that God used Nehemiah to lead the people, to teach them, to begin to build the wall, the walls, in that type there, in Numbers, the, uh, in Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, if you read Isaiah 60, verse 18, they are walls of salvation and gates of praise. You see, God is working in the deliverance for us, and out of the gates of our mouth come praise to him. The minute they did that, they started doing that. The enemy raised up those that were under him to come against them. And did you know that their whole occupation was building that wall? If they weren't being taught, they were teaching. And they had a one hand a trowel, the other a sword. Because it's spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. So Nehemiah is building the wall, a wall of truth. And for us, it's who we are in Christ, his person, all around us. Well, Nehemiah, the eighth chapter, in verse one, it says, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man. Did we hear? Oh, boy. As one man. As one man. Do you know why some don't grow? Because they, choose, they make the choice of themselves who's going to teach them. And that's why they don't grow beyond. They make that choice. When it isn't our choice. You see, he, he raised up all these men. He did. He gave some pastors and teachers. He did. He did. All the people gathered themselves together. Weren't they all gathered together? See the types? Weren't they all gathered together in Acts, the second chapter? Then the Holy Spirit was, was able to come down and begin to form the church as much as some say, oh, it didn't happen until the ninth chapter, 13th chapter, 22nd chapter, and 26th chapter of Acts, when clearly the scriptures bring it out, it was in Acts, the second chapter. They were gathered together as one man, 
into the street that was before the water gate where all the precious word would pour out to them. And they spoke unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law. And this is way more, way more than the 10 Hebrew words in Exodus 23 to 17. They were bringing out tremendous truths, not to the degree that we have them in Christ, but boy, they were bringing them out. But you know, they had to gather together. Come on, what are we, what are we waiting for? We're going to keep talking about it. Jeez. You, know, you have to be here for that to happen. Other things can't take you away. Oh, how close some are. <laughs> how close they are to us. They got so far and then they went back. Oh boy, it would have been great. The law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel, and Ezra, the priest, brought the law. And the law here it always speaks of doctrine and teaching. When you see that word law, it's doctrine and teaching. Because all those beautiful truths that are brought out in Christ, he brought them out. He not only fulfilled the law, but brought them up and above in an intensity of teaching that he will teach us the knowledge of his love and what he's accomplished in Ephesians 3 and verse 19 for all eternity. Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation. Listen to this, everyone. Both men and women. Because God will bring men and women to be taught what he's teaching you, what you can't know yourself. Men and women. And all that could hear. Oh, come on. How old? All that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. Oh, what's the first day of the week for us in Christ? When did Christ rise from the dead? Do you see the types? That's why Sunday is such a holy and sanctified day. You'll see that in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the principles of the creation of God, us created in him in Ephesians 2.10 with the types. You'll see it crystal clear there. Oh, so many times God's given the word and the, and the fullness of it. And, I'm, and, and at times I'm like, oh my God, who wants us? And that's not the answer. The answer is, do you want it? Do, do I want it? And yes, I do. Yes, I do. I want God's very best. I don't have a plan apart from it. It was the seventh day, completion. And he read... Therein before the street that was before the water gate, pouring out the word to cleanse those that are his. God, Christ wants to do that with us, his church. You see that in John 13, 4 to 10. You see it in Ephesians 5, 26 and 27. The water of the word cleansing us so that we see who we are and the purity of a proper image. Listen, he read therein before the street, before the water gate. From morning, and that means the break of day, as soon as the light would pierce the darkness, that's when he began, until midday, till noon. How long should my nose be in this book? 
How much time should I give it? Am I a pastor teacher? Then how much time should I be there? Because only as far as I go will only be the satisfaction as far as I lead others. And I'll be satisfied with them in that area. Those that you teach, there is a, there is a proper holiness and reverence. They're not just your friends or your buddies. You need and I need to function in a proper place so that the word can flow properly. Before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the teaching, the doctrine, the preciseness of it. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit a tower of wood which they had made for the purpose and beside him stood all these different names. We see this. All these different men. Look what it says. They, and beside him they stood with him. They stood with him. They weren't comparing. And boy, I tell you, they weren't comparing themselves with him and they certainly weren't allowing others that they would teach to do that. They'd stop that in a second. Verse 8, verse 5. And Ezra opened the book. He did. He opened the book. In verse, in verse 5. In the eyes, it says. That meant that they were present. They were present to hear. They came. They got up out of their beds. And they came. Sleep on, honey. I love you. Sleep on. It's okay. Ezra opened the book in the eyes of all the people, for he stood, he was above all the people, not better than, but in a place where God placed him. And when he opened it, listen to what happened. Oh, I love this, and I was so broken about it. All the people stood up. It was reverence. It was an intense reverence. You know, when the word's being preached, I just want to say this, in kindness and in the depth of love, our eyes should be fixed on the word that's coming through the speaker. Uh, I, literally, it's almost like <laughs> if we're not taking notes, our hands shouldn't even be doing anything else. Honestly, because it is a distraction, and I mean that in pure love, in the purity of love, in the purity of love, that's how I mean it. Come on. In the purity of love. We can do other things before or after the word, but it should have our full attention. I mean complete full attention. And in that sense, that's a form of fasting. We set ourselves apart in concentration for the word of God. We just do that. The people, they all stood up because it was so holy. They all stood up. And what does that speak of? As God gave me the truth of this this morning, he said this. I thank God when you heard the word of God, when it was open to your eyes that happened to be here and not asleep. Serious. Serious. The intensity and the cl clarity of the word this morning like this. Yes. Yeah, they were there. 
They were there. Their eyes were open, meaning they were ready to receive. I thank God that when you received the word, you didn't receive it as the word of men. But it was so holy, you saw that, you received it as it is in truth, the word of God. And when you receive it that way, all oh, the effect that it works in you. All the people, they stood up. Because now they were free. They were no longer in bondage to the flesh. They took every single opportunity to hear that word. You look in the book of you look in the book of Acts, and you look in the twentieth chapter, and you tell me how often Paul taught in Ephesus, and how long he did it. And you can't tell me it didn't take hours of his nose in the book, because it did. It did. You want the gold? You got to dig. You have to dig. And there's going to be a lot that comes against you so you won't do it. Because if you won't do it, then what do you have to give to those? Well, all those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the law of the book, the teaching of, of that book in, in Nehemiah, the eighth chapter and the third verse. And he, when he opened it, all the people stood up. Meaning, it had their full attention. They were not distracted. They weren't distracted. The word being preached. People coming in late. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? Over here. No, 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 no. Their capacity is not teaching you. You're teaching them proper capacity. You're teaching them. The, ki the children don't teach you. The babes and the young men don't teach the spiritual dad. The spiritual dad in 1 John 2, 12 to 14 teaches them, although we all have to come around Christ. The babes and the young men cannot do it themselves because of their capacity. But just because they can't do it themselves, God makes a provision for them to come to have their capacity filled. Well, he opened it and all the people stood up. And it was so awesome. Look what it says. It was so awesome to him that Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. He was one with them. He wasn't above them or below them. He was with them, but they were all functioning in their proper place functioning in the gifts as far as their gifts. And if you read 1 Peter 4, 10, 11, you can only go as far as the gift that's given you. And to try to go beyond it without God's provision is not of God. They all did. The great God and all the people said, yes, Lord, amen, yes. Oh, you're holy, God. This time that we have the word, it's holy. It's not a time for joking around. Never mind Ephesians 5, 3, and 4, when we gather together to be a time of joking and kidding and nonsense. No, we only have a few more days. We only have a few more hours. We only do have a few more, and how precious they are. We only have so much freedom left where we are. 
And just because we had that freedom that day that we went to bed, when we wake up the next day, doesn't necessarily mean that you'll have it. But if you do, oh, thank you, Lord. They stood up. And then with lifting up their hands, they bowed their heads and worshipped with their faces to the ground in tense humility. And then you'll see all those men that were with Ezra being taught by him. In verse 7, it says this, And then the Levites caused the people to understand the teaching, the doctrine, the teaching. And the people stood where? In their place. We are all a joint that supplies in Ephesians 4 and verse 16. But we each have a proper place. And it keeps out confusion. The, the babes, the young men and the spiritual dead, they're all one in Christ. John 17, 11, 21 and 22. They're all one in Christ in Galatians 3 and verse 26. But they don't all occupy the same place. They don't. I have a left hand, and it's on the left. I don't have two left hands and no right hand. And when you have everything in its place, with proper health in our physical bodies, we operate properly. It's very precise. There's a preciseness to it. There's a loving, deep authority in it. And so they read in the book, in the law of God, the teaching of God distinctly, precisely, and, in the, and, and gave the sense. Do you see what God's doing this morning? I, I get up. It's not that I have to. It's that I don't even have another option. I get up. I get my nose in the book. And by his grace, hours, hours before anything comes out of my mouth, by his grace, by the way. Hours. You see. And he causes me to understand so that his cause of love can flow through me and give sense to the people and cause them to understand teaching of what they have in Christ. And this is what it is for us. And they all functioned. Watch this as we begin uh, to close here. So they read in the book, in, in that sense, there in verse 8, Nehemiah 8, the teaching of God precisely and distinctly, and it gave them sense. You don't think your, you don't think your family needs this sense? You don't think your loved ones need this? Really? You want to give them the best? Give them the word. Better than anything you could ever give them. Bring them to their proper place. It's better than any other place you could bring them. I can tell you that right now. And no question about it. And take the time, all of us, to do that. And cause them to understand the reading, what was being taught. Nehemiah, which is, is the Tershathah, and Ezra, the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said Unto all the people. Listen. This day is what? Holy unto the Lord. And holiness is, is where we get our word sanctification. And he's setting us apart from our minds. Our anything. 
to be occupied with anything other than him. He so wants to pour in his love without measure in, in Romans 5, 5, to pour it out on us without measure. Because that day, that time the word is being preached, is holy unto the Lord your God. So mourn not. In other words, don't continually mourn about all your failures. And that will be true. But come to a place where they can be dealt with. Where God will deal with them precisely. And all the people wept when they heard the words of the law, and the words of teaching. And that is again for us in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. There is a godly sorrow with joy that never has regret. But worldly sorrow has regret. Uh, boy. Then said he unto the people, when they were filled with the word, go your way, eat the fat. That's the deepest, most beautiful portions of the life of Christ. Take the fat and drink the sweet. And then send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. And that's always grace preceding truth. Nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our God. Neither be you sorry. Okay? Neither be sorry. You're not your sin. You're not your failure. God says, my love through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit has dealt with it. He's dealt with it. Neither be sorry. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for, for the day is holy, and neither be grieved. Don't allow the enemy, once you receive the word of God, the freedom of him, don't allow him to keep you captive in your experience any longer. And that's what makes the preciseness of the word being taught. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, 2 Timothy 2, 24 to 26. Preciseness, the word, the word being constantly taught. Constantly in preciseness, in preciseness. I don't know what we're waiting for. But he's waiting to be gracious. This much I can say. This much I can say. So every place that you see this, every place that you see in Ezra, in Nehemiah, when it says all the people came together, it brings it out. They were all one in the agreement of the word of God. Every single one of them. Every single one of them. And that's what makes the preciseness of the word, the whole clarity of the word of God to be so very, very important to us because it is. And that is why Jesus did this. And I'm going to close with this, but I'm going to get, if God has this, if God has it, and I'm going to, you know, the Lord will give this to us, obviously, in the way that he does. But this is what he was teaching. Do you see God brings us into the word to, and, and to renew us in the spirit of our minds and renew the spirit of our mind, Ephesians 4 and verse 23, because he constantly has to take that natural man that wants to express and live through the flesh and bring others with me. Bring others with me. Your true family are your spiritual family. And thank God if it happens to be your natural family. Just be careful of the natural. And this is what Jesus was teaching. This is what he was teaching precisely. See, God has to separate the natural flesh in us from who we are in Christ. 
because that's the only way we will truly know him in his image, the image of his son in the most unique way in Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 3, obviously, but in our own proper image. In our own proper image. And so we see it here, what Jesus was doing here in Matthew the 12th chapter. Matthew the 12th chapter. Now even before this, we see in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, he says this, Come unto me. How many come? How many come? Well, you know what? You know what else it is? Pray for those that don't, but be satisfied and overwhelmed with those that do. Make that to be your focus and my focus. Are you that labor and are heavy laden? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Oh, boy. Did you know the yoke keeps out the pride in whatever stage of our growth it is? Whether it's babes, young men, or even spiritual dads. Sometimes, you know, we don't like things still that are taught, even as spiritual dads. Eh, you know, I don't like the way that's taught. And, 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 truthfully, and, and, and truthfully, led by God, I love you and I don't care. I, I just don't care. Care for you, but don't care for what you don't care for that's of God. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest unto your souls. Now, Follow it all the way through in the 12th chapter. In the 12th chapter. Follow it all the way through. And this is what he has to constantly teach us. To separate in our own family. Listen, those that are closest to us. We need to be careful. We need to be very careful. And when I say we, it starts with me. Follow it all the way through in the 12th chapter of Matthew. Look at verse 46. While he yet talked to the people, those that gathered around him and were listening to preaching the word, he said, Behold, your mother and your brethren, your natural mother and brethren, they're standing without. <laughs> what were they without? The hearing of the word from him, what he was teaching, desiring to speak with him. Stop speaking the word, Dad. We want you for this. No! No. Pastor, we want you to stop speaking. We want this. No. We will give ourselves to prayer, dependence in Acts 6 4, and then to the ministry of the word. No. I love you, but you are not to be my guide anymore. You only have one. Christ is the head of every man. He's the head of every man. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. They're outside. Well, you love them and they love you. Of course they, but that was his natural family. Listen to this. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Who? Who? Now, did he love them? Were they his parents? Natural? Yes. Yes. But he used it as an illustration. They're my natural parents and they want me to function outside of who I am as God in this particular place.
But he answered and said, Who is my mother and my brethren? He stretched forth his hand. You know that hand? The hand there that was pierced? It was, about to, it was already pierced in his heart. In Psalm 22 and verse 16, that was pierced in John 20, 20, and in John 20, 25, and 27. And in Luke 24, verse 39, those hands that were pierced, which speaks of unbelievable grace, love pouring through it. And he stretched forth his hand to those that were there as disciples, his mathetes, those of his pupils that were being taught. And he said, Behold, my mother and brethren. It doesn't say stop loving your natural family. It just says stop being led by them. Don't allow them. Well, really, it would be us allowing our flesh to allow them to lead us because there's things in my flesh I like and I don't want dealt with, so I can't say anything about them, so I'll go be one with them. For whosoever will do the will of my Father, and that means receiving what Christ accomplished in John 4 and verse 34 and Psalm 47 and 8. He fulfilled the will. He finished the work in John 19, 30. Do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. Look, then it says this, and this is where chapters and verses, and I appreciate them so that we can know what scriptures are, but this flows right into this verse. That same day, that, listen, that same day that Jesus was preaching, he went out of the house. We're going to see on Thursday, and maybe even before that, how Jesus, everything he did with all the types that God's going to bring up, he went outside the camp, the structured, organized system of the flesh of individuals that are even of Christ, and many that aren't. You'll see that in 2 Timothy 2. Uh, 19 through 20 and through 22, you'll see that in a great house, there are many vessels, some that aren't even born again and others that are in a great house. <laughs> That's where we are right now. The same day Jesus went out of the house, he went out of that system, he went out of the natural, he separated himself, himself he was separated from the natural. Boy, he has to do that with us through the preaching of the word, through the preaching of it. Same day, he went out of the house and sat by the sea. He sat down because he was teaching them something that was finished in him. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship. He sat. He sat. He sat. Ruling, reigning, finished the work, seated at the right hand, already in his heart. Even before the cross as he was facing it, he said in John 17 and verse 4, I have already finished the work. I've done it. Now I'm going to go where all that glory in 17.5 is going to be brought out and that's going to be on the cross. That separates the natural, fleshly relationships even with family members. It separates them completely, utterly. And it says he sat, but you know what? The whole multitude stood. What did they do when Ezra got up to preach the word? What did they do? They all stood. 
meaning they were standing in their proper place, ready to receive. They were entreatable. They came to hear. They didn't come bringing other things with them. They didn't come with doubt, fear, comparison, sin. No, they were dealt with. They were already prepared before they came. There's much we can do in preparation even before we come so that when we come, we can give total concentration, all of us, to the Word of God. When God gives the Word like this in these wee hours of the morning, I have to be so concentrated to be able to receive. So as we close it this morning, he sat and they stood. And then in those places, he was in his place, they were in theirs, he spoke many things unto them in these parables. Our Lord, and we're going to see it on Thursday, our Lord discerned all the natural ties that bound him to anything natural. He, he separated. That's part of sanctification. And he, brought, and he brought it all out in this teaching that we will see in the morning. And that's what God is doing. You see, I cannot know God. My family cannot know God. The local assembly cannot know God, will not know him in the natural flesh. That's why there's so much precise teaching and discipline and preparing people to even come, doing it. And, and so what? You're going to see as you grow and I grow and we get closer to Christ, it's going to be reduced down. It's going to be reduced down to the two or three that are gathered together in his name. They're not bringing their own or anyone else's. That's the system. And Jesus, everything he did outside the camp, and Father, we thank you for your precious word this morning. And, and thank you so much for your love. And this is your love. And I thank you uh, for what you gave uh, me personally in, in, in counsel and instruction and chastisement and discipline for myself this morning. And thankful that for what you're giving all of us together. In Jesus' name, amen.